This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, your postmortem on the young Restless Reformed. I am Matt, and I am joined by Pastor Michael. And we have big news, don't we, Pastor Michael? Oh, it's big news time. We're almost there. We're almost there. The big, big release. Next week starts the Restless Summer. Restless Summer. Get ready. Put on some sandals. Put your hammocks up. Kick back. And relax with Restless all summer long. Because what we're announcing... (laughs) Uh, we actually created an announcement for this and the content was <laughs> so inane. I don't know if we'll ever release that, <laughs> but we're not taking a summer break on Restless. But because of work and travel requirements, we are going to have some great interviews with old friends, new friends, and we will have a few of our deep dives this Restless Summer. Pastor Michael, are you looking forward to Restless Summer? Yeah, I'm so excited. I've got my sunglasses. I've got my big, big hat that blocks out the sun, but not too much because I want to get a little bit of that tan. You know, I'm ready for it. Everyone coming out of these lockdowns, you need some vitamin D. And that is what Restless Summer is for. Without what This is all about. That's what it is all about. We're just here to help you out. We're here for your health. That's right. And so actually next week, Restless Summer will start with an interview with our old friend, Rob McKenzie. And He is publishing a new book called Seeker's Progress, which we will talk to him about. But actually, why don't you just go ahead and and go find that and pre-order it right now? It'll It'll perfect start to your restless summer. So today, as we go into restless summer, you know, you've got to prepare for a summer vacation. You've got to be ready. You've got to get yourself ready. And so we are preparing today with a, a restless reaction. Pastor Michael, today we are going to watch the new Calvinist top men, Kevin DeYoung, Ligon Duncan, and Albert Moeller talk about what's new about the new Calvinism. Pastor Michael, are you ready for this video? I think so. I think so. We, uh, we were testing the sound just a little bit ago. And so we saw just the very beginning of the video. I know you've probably watched it. I don't think that I've seen it, or at least I don't remember it. Uh, and you know, these men just look so young and bright eyed and they just think, man, this is going to be, uh, so cool. Like this movement's really kicking off. Like this is, this is getting good. And, right. uh, so it, it'll be interesting to watch. This was released in March of 2014. You can still find this one on the gospel coalition. This is new Calvinism at its Zenith because within the year Mars Hill will dissolve and, And all the questions will start. But right now, everyone's young. Everyone's happy. This is seven years ago. This is like peak restless summer stuff. And so before we go to the summer, we want to make sure we all are on the same page about what is new Calvinism as Pastor Michael and I. It's actually been a while since we've dealt with someone discussing it at that length. And so, Pastor Michael, if you were going to answer the question, what's new about new Calvinism, what would you say? Well, I guess I have two different things in mind. So my, my official answer uh, would probably be nothing. Uh, new Calvinism is evangelicalism. So that would be, that would be my first answer. Uh, and that's kind of uh, where Tough I would, you know, that's where I would plant my fa- flag a little bit. Uh, but when uh, somebody asks this question, 
you know, it's probably not the the fairest response to say, you know, oh, it's just it's just evangelicalism, because obviously there seems to be some, you know, uh, differences here. Maybe what I would say is that new Calvinism is a, a, a movement of, you know, Calvinistic evangelicals uh, who used especially new media uh, using the Internet and social media to uh, position themselves into significant places of cultural authority uh, within the American church. So that's, that's how I would try to work it out. Now, is that like actually new about, like, is that, does that make, is there anything new about that? I don't know. I, I guess, you know, it's a little, little different to have, you know, the, the mainstream evangelicalism be kind of tempered by a kind of Calvinistic soteriology, but uh, it's probably not really new in, in the deepest of senses. I think that, yeah, I think that's right. I think you're really pulling in the work um, from our, our professor friend, Brad for Merlin in your answer. Yeah. I think that what's new is this it's a, and it clearly is a, a part of evangelicalism that there is now a part of American evangelicalism that we could call new Calvinism and that it is the importation of Calvinist soteriology, the five points into evangelicalism right when we when we went through the young restless and reform we said it is the five points brought in uh to to the young young people and evangelicalism as kind of an alternative to some of the some of the other things going on and that to do that it was also maybe this is the other new thing that it was um kind of separated from the more traditional confessional and churchly presbyterian forms that it used to be for now it was in youth culture and that is what i think our show says is new about new calvinism pastor michael it has been nay maybe seven years since i've watched this video so we are both reacting live Here we i go. think what they're going to say is new is two things it's it's a new generation of calvinists and probably the internet those are my predictions going okay. in what do you do you have any thoughts about what they might how they might answer this? Obviously, well, this I'm is a 12 minute think, video. They'll say more. But what do you think they're predict? What would you predict? I'm trying to think back to uh, the Piper uh, lecture that we listened through and talked about where he talks about the 12 points of new Calvinism. And one of the things that he seemed to really hit on was this idea that it's it seems primarily Baptistic. Uh, and so I, I wanted to say that there would be an element of that. Like this is mm. a kind of it's not it's not like like confessional reform Baptist, it's a kind of, you know, uh, Calvinistic uh, Baptist though. And I, I thought maybe they would hit that, but it, I mean, we've got two Presbyterians on this panel, uh, right. which is just an interesting thing in itself. Uh, and yep. so, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they say. I, I don't know if I can make a good prediction. I've yeah. lost, I have lost touch quite a bit. I'm, I am, you know, I mean, I'm kicked back. I'm laying down by the pool. It's restless summer almost. And I don't remember what these men would have said way back, way before Restless Summer began, back in the, the, the deep winter. The dark of, ages. Of the, the dark ages <laughs> where there was no Restless Summer in sight. So, yeah. so we well, should probably just watch it. Let me like the video and we will get going here. So, Kevin, what is the new Calvinism? Mm, what is the new Calvinism? 
It, it's a resurgence of Reformed theology, mainly in soteriology. Uh, the five points, although not everyone in the New Calvinism would adhere to all five points, but mainly it's a new sense, especially among young people, I think, that God's sovereignty is biblical and massively important, that God loved us before we loved him, that he's the one who, who does the deciding work in our salvation. And I guess I'm maybe trying to speak from the mythical young person, but it certainly has a lot of traction. And I think part of the reason is folks are, folks want something that's got some, got some muscle to it, got some uh, robust doctrinally. And uh, at least I see that in, in some of my circles with some of the people we have at our church. I don't know. Yeah, you, you guys are the historians. What, where what's it your feel? From? Yeah, I was going to say, what's, where, what's your yeah. feel? For robust. Work? That's a great word. Um, yeah. These days to describe theology, I think, you know, good guy KDY here is is saying a lot of what we're saying, right? Yeah, Pastor I mean, Michael? it sounded familiar. Sounds basically right. We could have uh, just played that and it would have done a couple episodes for us. That's right. Well, we'll we'll let it keep going. Where this has come from, Al? Well, you know, I think it comes from very deep wells. I mean, there's one sense when you talk about the new and the old here. Uh, what's new is you have new people in a new time who are really rediscovering the same kind of theological instincts and you had it. that led to the Reformation. Ding! I'll take the I'll take two points there, everybody. You could take the point. And finding them in the same sources, which is the Scripture. You've got a young generation of Christians who've grown up in an overwhelmingly secular culture, and uh, they're not a part of of a churched culture, and so they're not looking around themselves just considering that all their friends and everyone they know are Christians. They're realizing that that something has to explain how they came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they have an absolute uh, determination, you might say, to make clear that their first principle is the sovereignty of God, not the sovereignty of the self. And so as they read the scriptures, as they think through their own Christian experience, they are led into what are deeply reformation, indeed reformed instincts, because they're trying to answer the question, how is it that I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and so many others have not? Why me? How has God's grace come to me? Uh, is it because of who I am, or is it because of a gracious God? And the, the sovereignty of God is the beginning and the end of this. And that does not emerge from uh, a, the kind of uh, churched culture that, uh, that many Americans knew. Uh, it emerges from young people trying to swim against the tide of secularism. And I wonder, Ligon, I mean, well, we're both part of confessional reform tradition, right. but as, as the PCA... I mean, a lot of people talk about, well, new versus old, and I mean, old would probably be Westminster Confession, Calvinism. Do you do you think this new resurgence of Calvinism is it is it similar to that? Is it a, a newer expression, or do you, is it seem to be a different thing? Well, I think as the older confessional traditions jettison their fidelity to some of the great truths that all Protestants have mm -hmm. valued because we found them in the scriptures and see them at the very core of what Christian life and ministry is about. You've got a new generation of folks sort of rummaging through our trash cans <laughs> right. and saying, this is great. Why didn't somebody ever tell me about this? And well, they're also saying, well, I now know the, the episode title, rummaging through Ligon Duncan's trash. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I, I okay. So I think that, I think that these guys are right. These this is the like this was what this was like. Uh, you know, two steps more buttoned up than I ever was, and that's okay. 
I think that the one thing, and I wonder if they'll get there, right? You heard uh, Moeller call it a reformed instinct. Hmm. And you heard them present it as a, as kind of a bulwark against secularism, which spoiler alert will be discussed (laughs) with a, a smart person this restless summer. I think the one thing that, that John Piper, I think, brings out that they're not bringing out. And I'm not sure why. And maybe they will later. You know, we still we still have nine minutes. I guess I should say we have eight minutes with that one minute logo that'll get us at the end. That's right. They're not bringing out that there are actual theological distinctives that. Yeah, I am rummaging through the trash of the confessional churches, but that's why I'm keeping baptistic the theology why i'm a continuationist all of these kinds of things and so maybe they'll get there but i think that there there really is a difference yeah what's interesting is that i mean when you talk about the new calvinism there's so much variety within it right there was so much difference because obviously one of the last videos we watched and talked about was Mark Dever and James McDonald and Mark Driscoll talking. And it was a very different conversation than this current one <laughs> that we're watching. Uh, Cause all these guys are like, like they're pretty solid men. They're like, yeah. they are very buttoned up. They're very careful in how they're talking about this. And generally what they've said so far, I agree with, I mean, I, you know, this is our experience, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we found these truths and it was like, this has to be everything because I've just never been fed like this before, right? It's like yeah. your fir- the first time you get to have like real solid food and it's like, no way this existed. Like this is, this is unreal. And so there is that, that side of it for sure. But also I wonder if the fact that you have here, you know, a seminary president, uh, I don't know, was, was Legan Duncan a seminary president at this time already? I don't know. It's a good question. He certainly was well on his way. So either way, you have, you know, a seminary president, uh, someone who's, you know, a pastor, maybe seminary president, you know, very influential in a denomination. Uh, You have, you know, Kevin DeYoung at this point is probably still, uh, you know, at uh, his, you know, what was it, university church or or whatever it was uh, before coming to the PCA. Uh, Although he mentioned he's in the PCA. I guess he brought that church into the PCA and then he, he moved to a different church and then to do some uh, work as an adjunct professor. And so uh, like you have guys who are, you know, they're careful, reasoned, well-read, but two of them are Presbyterians. And I wonder if, if their experience in their churches is kind of clouding their view of what's going on in the rest of it, because the kinds of people that ended up in their, you know, PCA churches, it's not going to be quite the same as what you see actually at James McDonald's church. That's a yeah. very different thing. Uh, and, you know, at uh, Mars Hill. And I know at this point it's 2014. So James McDonald's probably a little bit more defunct from the gospel coalition. And like, they're starting to maybe realize some of that. Uh, but you, you maybe have that, you know, kind of rose colored glasses coming from mm. Presbyterianism thinking, oh, this is a lot more reformed than it actually is. Yeah, I do think, again, this is why this is why you do want to listen to the podcast of the guys who rummaged through Ligon Duncan's trash, because these are in their respective two denominations, probably three of the most prominent figures in each one. 
uh, at least on the conservative wings of each one. Yeah. And so I, I, I do think that that's interesting and important. Okay, let's keep listening. Again, I've been asking this question and no one else will answer it. Right. And I think another aspect that's new about it is, whereas the older confessional traditions were, were well aware of how they differed from other confessional traditions, and often majored on the differences that existed between those confessional traditions, the new Calvinists, precisely because they are in this kind of a secular pressure cooker, are more keenly aware of the things that they hold in common with others who also right. highly value the doctrines of grace, the authority of scripture, complementarianism, mm -hmm. a variety of things like that, that they know are under assault from the prevailing community and culture. And so they, they look across uh, lines that might have divided them 50 mm -hmm. years ago, and they say, that's my friend over there. We that's may right. disagree that's in right. this area and that area, and those disagreements are important, but that's really my friend over there because that friend believes in the authority of scripture, believes in the sovereignty of God, believes in the sovereignty of grace, uh, believes that what the Bible teaches about gender is the way it ought to be in the home and in the church, and they find um, uh, bonhomie and camaraderie and, and sort of brothers in arms. Yeah, in those no, areas. Come back on what Kevin was saying. Is that I, wishful I think thinking? Like, is that, does that sound a little bit like wishful thinking? Like, uh, this is, I know this is uh, Duncan's uh, deal right now as he's kind of, you know, waded into some of the woke waters uh, of our current situation where he said that he's worried that we're going to lose, you know, the young people, the younger generation, uh, because of their views of, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, racism or, or things like that, and, and the history of the church involved in those things. And, and I know he's, he said things to that, you know, uh, to that degree, uh, that, you know, this is, it just seems like a little bit almost naive um, where, you know, like a, again, a wishful thinking, like I, I want to, I want to say this because I want this to be true that uh, these young people are not here because they, you know, have certain aspects of their, you know, sinful nature being satisfied. It is purely because of this like desire to fight against secularism and be brothers in arms and and not to divide like we did before and and it just doesn't seem to me like that's necessarily where a lot of this actually ended up. Maybe in some in some in some ways in some positions. And again, maybe this is the you know the the kinds of people he's around are kind of you know coloring how he's looking at the whole of the movement. Uh, but it seems like wishful thinking. What do you think, Pastor Michael? Why can't we be friends? That's that's what I'm hearing. Let's let's be friends. And it's very interesting the the kind of the three things he kind of keeps saying like, "Hey, we've got this. We've got traditional sex roles. We've got the inerrancy of the Bible. We've got the sovereignty of God." Boom, we're good. And so I think that that was that may have been if we were going to try and identify what are all the things that hold all these various very different groups together what are the things that maybe hold them together it's probably those three things yeah right and we don't think that held pastor michael how would you what would your understanding of the distinctives you would have as a um, a presbyterian west minister confessing pastor b to albert moeller 
or, you know, obviously from where you are, there are lots of free churches. What would, what would your understanding of the importance of your distinctions be and not be? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's hugely important because it's, it is a significantly different way of reading the scripture and understanding, you know, how God works in the world. Uh, when you start to understand, you know, uh, covenant and the way God works in, in this way, when you understand that, you know, the regulative principle and uh, the, you know, idea of, you know, how the family, how families are constructed and how God works in families and, and, and through families and, and thus the importance of things like pedo baptism and uh, like, the way that you understand ecclesiology and what, you know, what the church is, what it's for, how it operates, how it's governed, um, what authority it has and what authority it doesn't have. These are, these are incredibly important. And when he talks about like, you know, those in the past who, you know, maybe fought over the minor things, I think part of that is, is because like they had, like they could, because everybody is some kind of Christian right? At least in the West, it's like, well, we're all Christians. It's just different kinds. And so we get to, you know, debate and argue about those. And I think that there's a legitimate point that especially in the midst of, you know, kind of an increasingly, you know, uh, godlessness all around us that you just have to make friends a little bit easier. Like you have to be able to stand together and you have your allies and co-belligerents that are, you know, they're in different traditions. They believe different things. Maybe sometimes they're not even acting like, you know, you don't even know if that they're Christians, but they have similar values. And at least for now we have to stand together. Uh, and so I, I get that. I, I think that that's uh, generally a very good and true thing. Uh, but I think that at the same time, I, and I don't, I don't know if Duncan is quite saying this, but there does seem to be what I would view as like an older idea of what unity and kind of working Mm. together looks like that is focused on, we have to dilute everything to the least common denominator in order to work together instead of, uh, I think what is actually a much healthier and, and much stronger kind of unity that you can have is to say, Hey, I'm a confessional Presbyterian. Oh, well, I'm a confessional Lutheran. Oh, well, I'm an evangelical. Well, here's what I believe. This is, I'm going to believe this. Um, hey, let's work together on what we can. And like, you can do that and and build great friendships, great, you know, uh, you can become great allies uh, in the midst of, you know, increasing pressure without having to think that that means you, you have to, you know, uh, leave those other things aside. Like if, we, again, this is, I believe, uh, like at the core of evangelicalism, you have to dilute everything down. And it's actually, maybe it's even a kind of like pluralism that has entered into the church, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like pluralism almost requires that you say, hey, you know, we have all these differences. Well, let's just make them all the same. Let's all just kind of like, let's get along by, you know, kind of avoiding those differences or not thinking about them. But every time you try to do that, something asserts itself as, you know, the, the strong confession. Something will assert itself as like, this is the truth. Uh, and so I, I don't have a problem, you know, uh, having friends that are, uh, you know, Lutheran or evangelical or Roman Catholic or, or what have you, if they have these strong convictions, uh, like there, Hey, there are things we can do together. There are things we can't do together. This is, you know, this is great. Uh, but I think, I, I don't know, this is what I'm hearing here. Uh, maybe you can tell me that I'm wrong. Well, I think what, what you said is, you know, the, the, we'll call it the restless model of friendship. Here's what it means to be my friend here's who I actually am now engage with me on, on the terms of who I actually am and who you actually are. Yeah. 
And I actually think on a, on a micro level, what you're talking about, you having a friend who's a, a Lutheran pastor, an evangelical staff member at a church, those things probably don't get in the way. Right. And, and, and right. Actual unity of Christ. I think that there's, you know, we've got to, I don't know if this is a traditional theological way to talk about it. We've got to get past the, like, there's an objective level of unity in Christ and maybe a more subjective one, right? The objective of what is I am united to everyone who is in union with Christ. Yeah. And now my experience of that differs from time to time, you know, due to sin, due to boundaries. But I, but I do think that there is a weird thing, right? We do this with history. We do this with the church fathers. Well, we want the church fathers to basically be Presbyterians or Baptists or whatever we are. And they weren't that right? Whatever you are today, they weren't that. They were very distinct and godly and certainly uh, greater than I, right? And, and I, you know, I think that it's, what's interesting is, you know, the, even the idea, obviously you mentioned even Roman Catholics, but inside the Protestant world, we started discussing denominations. Why? Because what we were saying is that we're, we're not saying you're another church, we're, we're, we're not claiming to be the true church against you, a false church that has no part of Christ. We're saying that you are the church. We are just different. We differ, right? This was a, this was a unifying idea at the time when you had wars of religion being fought over these things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think, I do think there is a tendency of dilution, but I think that there is a tendency of dilution where if I have, especially if I have to get a conference going with these people, if you have to speak at a conference with a Lutheran, an evangelical you, well, the topics that you all want to talk about are very limited. And they yeah. might, in fact, be limited to the sovereignty of God, the inerrancy of the Bible, and traditional gender roles. Yeah. But, but yeah, again, those, those are important things. And I want to be friends with anyone who holds to those things. And I want there to be more than, to life than those things. Yep. Right. So we've talked more than four minutes. Let's, let's, let the, <laughs> let's let the top men take a crack at it. Word to use as kind of a distinguishing feature of the, of the new Calvinism. And for good or for ill, that word is eclectic. Uh, I think this is a generation that, uh, that by and large is, is taking a little from here and a little bit from there but the overwhelming superstructure of their theology ends up being reformed. Mm-hmm. And so when you get... All right. <laughs> we made it 10 seconds. For good or for ill, Pastor Michael? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to answer that quite. I just right, want to well, notice... So you have the two things, right? It's So one, again, this eclecticism, but then saying that the superstructure is still reformed. I just don't think that that's true. Correct. Right? So Those this, two things. The idea yes. that... Uh, like the idea that to be reformed, like you can just pick and choose different things. That's just like, that is a, it's a very evangelical idea, uh, but it's just not true. And so that's problematic. I also, again, like, I think there's a co- a kind of like trying to read, Hey, look at this generation. This is where it's going. This is what it's doing. And I do this. I, I know that I do it, but this is maybe making me think, Hey, maybe, maybe we're not always the best at like looking out and saying, well, here's the, the cultural move. And this is why we want to see this. This is why we got to, you know, capitalize on, uh, on that. Uh, it, I just don't know if they were right. All right, let's keep going.
delicate movements, whether it's T4G or Sovereign Grace or the PCA or RUF, or you just go down and all these kinds of things, the Gospel Coalition, you name it, it it's amazing how these younger, uh, newer Calvinists, you might say, are, are kind of putting it together here in a postmodern age in their own way. And what they're doing is they're really moving backward. They, you know, they, in, instead of going to the Reformation moving forward, they're really coming from the forward, moving backwards. And, and that's a good direction. They're going right. back to the sources, right. going back to the roots. And what do you guys think about this? It, it has dawned on me before, you know, sometimes the new Calvinism is sort of pitched as uh, almost an interloper into evangelicalism. Whereas, I mean, you know, you, you look historically and evangelicalism, you know, initially in this country was Calvinism and certainly was predominantly Calvinistic. And then really, it, I mean, you could make an argument that it's been the last 150 years that has been the exception where Calvinism has been largely rooted in, in confessional traditions sort of buried out there. And it seems like now it's, it's exploding into evangelicalism again, where it's not just a confessional tradition. Now, of course, that upsets some people both outside and within the confessional tradition. But, but I think people are rediscovering these biblical truths, and as you, as you say, that are really reformational truths, that we should be excited, uh, even if at times we think, well, is it, is it really, is it being diluted, or is it fully covenantal, or however, you know, traditional Calvinists might understand it. it seems like, like, a, like what I just said. Good. You got me pegged, Kev. <laughs> he does have me. Actually, even just listening to him, I'm like, that's right. Like, this is why, like, Kevin DeYoung is, like, the careful reason guy that can defend both sides, and we do... Here on the Restless Podcast, has uh, got me pegged. We, uh, you know, we definitely uh, tend to be more critical because that's what you know, uh, but, part of why we do this. Like we're trying to figure out, hey, what were the problems, or what were the good things, or 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 whatever. And, uh, and so and that again, makes me think, oh yeah, he he so, maybe got me a bit. So maybe it's a good time to reset. Yes, we thank God that that's the right. truths of the Reformation, that whatever direction we were looking back to recover the truths from that time, from the biblical truths, the gospel truths, the reformational truths, praise God. I'm yeah. thankful for it. That's right. No doubt. We're, we're not Donatists. We're not perfectionists. We're not idealists. Hey, and, you know, like God used these things and we are grateful. Uh, we're grateful for the new Calvinism and how God used it. And right. We're thankful for evangelicalism. We're thankful for all of these things in our past. Yep. Um, but we still wince when... Albert Muller says the PCA, TGC, RUF, all as if they're all everything, you know, the, the, they're all the same. We're all in this together. These are all the same kind of organization. Um, so, all right. All right. Pastor Kevin, we, you, uh, you're welcome you on the us. restless podcast. You got us <laughs> anytime. Thing that could really yeah. reinvigorate evangelism. There's another aspect to this. And, and that is where else are they going to go? I mean, what options are there? If you're a theologically minded, deeply convictional young evangelical, if you're committed to the gospel and you want to see the nations rejoice in the name of Christ, if you want to see gospel built and structured and committed churches, your theology is just going to end up basically being reformed, basically being something like this new Calvinism. It's a sick burn to Lutherans, my friend. Just like... <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Honestly, it's a sick burn to like Arminians. Like, you know, like there's some there's some godly Arminians out there. And it was like, well, if you care about the gospel, you will end up here. You know, that's uh, uh. What, so much for eclecticism, you know, so, so much for coming together around the basics. Classic Baptist move. Come on. Now. <laughs> oh. uh, or you're going to have to invent some other label for what's just going to be the same thing. <laughs> right. 
Right. There just are not options out there. And, and that's something that I think frustrates some people. Uh, but when I'm asked about the new Calvinism, I want to say, well, well, just basically, where else are they going to go? You know, who else is going to answer the questions? Where else are they going to find the resources they need? And where else are they going to connect? This is a generation that understands they want to say the same thing Paul said. They want to stand with the apostles. They want to stand with old dead people. This is and, a generation. Uh, and, and they know they're going to have to if they're going to preach and teach the truth. I think another interesting thing is uh, Ken Stewart has argued that there have actually been uh, maybe four Calvinist resurgences that have happened over the last 300 years or so. And one feature of them is that the resurgence uh, is not just one of thought, it's one of missionary activity. Mm. So that the Calvinism is not just sort of uh, hived off in an ivory tower somewhere thinking. Sorry, I am going to pause the good uh, Dr. Duncan right there. I think he is going to say something important. But this is this is what Moeller's statement made me realize, especially with having the thoughts of Vermerlin's work in the back of my mind. When he keeps saying, where else are they going to go? Where else are they going to go? I'm, I realize like this is the this is the gatekeeping. Yeah, this is the like there's nowhere else to go for this kind of truth. You got to come to TGC and watch these black and white videos. This is the place for it. And I just that's what struck me. And right. So, this is I think we either talked to Aaron Wren about this or he's just mentioned on one of his podcasts. But the idea that you have to frame yourself as like the conservative and you have to frame the other guys as, you know, not being that and you can't allow anybody to be to your right. You have to make it look like you're it, like you're the only option, especially in the SBC. Yeah. You know, where that where that is a a a wild and diverse family of churches. That's right. Uh, all right, let's let's hear more. Thoughts. It's actively out there evangelizing and doing missions work. And you can think of William Carey and the wave of world Absolutely. missions that happened at the beginning of the 1800s, very, very steeped in a robust embrace of the Bible's teaching of the sovereignty of God, impelling right. them and it's to hard, the nations. It's hard to imagine, you know, young evangelicals being animated, uh, humanly speaking, by anyone more than someone like John Piper. Right. Right. And what John Piper offers them is is a Christ-centered. Uh, passionate understanding of what it means uh, to, to see the gospel embraced by the nations and uh, to see the nations rejoice in Christ. And he gives them a theological understanding of how you get there hmm. and, and why I, it's important. And I think it's Desiring God, if you uh, would like to sponsor either that plug for you or the Restless Podcast for replaying it, we'd, uh, we'd sure appreciate it. We'd love to have you on the show. Love to have you on the show. Desiring God, all of you. <laughs> Speaker, you look at sort of in the last 10 years, the two movements among young people that have caught some traction was the emergent for a very short time. And I think sort of the, the re residue from that might be some of the social justice emphases. And then you have the new Calvinism. And I know there's some overlap, but I think both of those have in common a call that our faith is costly, that our faith is a lot bigger than us, you know, really reacting against cheap grace. And I think the challenge is, you know, if we're going to do this social mercy ministry piece right it has to go through this vision of a massive right. glorious god and a gospel that's first of all about all that god's done for us otherwise we're going to get this piece wrong and end up calling people to sacrifice which isn't in itself the gospel that's why i think getting these doctrines of grace and this vision of god for for our generation is so key for anything else we're going to try to accomplish 
there might have been a bit more overlap than we had originally thought between the social justice emergent and new Calvinism. Yeah, right now, especially we're starting to see that, right? I mean, this is uh, what's what's interesting is, I mean, he's right, right? Kevin Young is right in what he just said. Uh, and uh, what happened was not that. And so right. all of a sudden, you know, what we have now today is that people will say, well, everything is all of a sudden a gospel issue, right? So you have to do these particular ministries or you have to be involved in some kind of social justice work uh, because it's a gospel issue. And if you're not doing these things, then you don't, you're not gospel centered. You don't love the gospel. You are out in those camps that Albert Moeller's talking about where you won't find any of the real truth, you know, like you're all of a sudden mm -hmm. outside of the camp. Yeah. Also, I would just like to congratulate Kevin DeYoung with his sick burn on the emergent church long after it was dead as one of the chief, I don't know, polemicists against it back when it was uh, trying to make its thing. So walking on the grave. It's great. Yeah, that's Way right. Go. So, um, but sadly, yeah, it, it, you know, we, at some point there probably was by, by people. And this is, this is what's, this is maybe one of the things that we're not getting at the subtext of this conversation of the top men, maybe we'd call them the second generation, right? This is not John Piper. This, you know, they're all a little bit younger than him and DA Carson and, and those men, but the subtext is they're kind of saying the playbook of what the new Calvinist organizations are doing. Yeah. And at some point we tried to turn the corner into the mercy ministry and social justice stuff. And it was not done the way Kevin DeYoung, as you said, it was not done that way. Right. And, and in that case, we should have preferred the way the evangelical Baptist missions did it or the Lutherans do it to what, you know, to what has kind of spiraled out of control um, today. Yeah. Is that because of this, like, again, watering down of the, these fundamentals? Like, what do we, you know, kind of gather around? What is, what is our rallying cry? What are the things that we love? Well, it's these really kind of basic doctrines, these very simple ideas, and everything is gospel, gospel, gospel. And now that's the only lens through which you can view anything. So mercy ministry, well, why would you do mercy ministry? Well, because it's a gospel issue. And now all of a sudden, if it's a gospel issue, then there are some people that are saved or unsaved on the basis of whether or not they're a part of this. Why would you care about incarceration? Why would you eat? There's all this, this list of things that to, in, to be cultural critics as they desire to be, you're going to have to talk about these things. And it has to, you have to, if you don't have a framework that's larger than God is sovereign, the gospel is a thing. Like the Bible if that's is it, errand, well then all you, and I believe in traditional gender roles. Yeah. Like all you get to say is, you know, well, how does this work into the frame? Well, it must be, it's a gospel issue. Well, you know, like this is where you get into dangerous territory when you have uh, such a simplified uh, understanding of doctrine. All right. Let's see. Let's see how much further we got. We got three minutes left do you think the new calvinism is a good thing i do think it's a good thing i was gonna ask you I mean, do you guys think it's gonna last are you optimistic about it Oof. this this is gonna be good <laughs> this is gonna be good um as we've said the heralding of reformation truths is a good thing this next part this is this is interesting this is what we've been waiting for well, we, you know, I'll, I'll say this 
uh, I think it is a wonderful and undiluted good thing that this younger generation is. I want you to know, Albert, Dr. Albert will have just used undiluted, Pastor Michael. I don't know how many to times you've called new it. Calvinism. <laughs> the amount of times you've used the word diluted, he just said it is un. I know. Almost, it's almost like he's talking to me. It's like somehow. <laughs> He knew when they were recording this video. And 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 he kind of got it under his breath as as Albert Moeller was jumping in, who has the like um the microphone discipline of a politician, like to jump right on these things. Yeah. But Kevin DeYoung writes as well, is it gonna unravel? Oh, it's it's unravel, it's unraveling, guys. Just uh six months after you recorded this, in fact, it really begins deeply passionate, deeply convictional, increasingly confessional, and uh, and ready to, to go do something great uh, for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think the question is, where else again are they going to go? I mean, the reality is that the only sustenance for a gospel ministry is, is the scriptures. And if you're going to dive deeply into the scriptures, you have to explain why the scriptures have this authority. You have to explain how it is that this actually gets works out in, worked out in life. And, you know, frankly, I don't care what you label it. Right. You're going to end up in a good place. I think that answer was it's not going anywhere. Because where else are they are they going to go? Huh. Anyways, let's keep. Yeah, let's... It seemed like a very, like, political answer. <laughs> let's get the it's rest. Like, it didn't, like, directly answer, but it was kind of there. He basically repeated what he said over and over again already. Yeah. And I think it has a it has a, a good good opportunity to continue on if, first of all, it embraces a robust biblical understanding of the doctrine of the church. Absolutely, and that's what that's Mark right. Dever yeah. and others are working hard to do to incorporate a biblical theology of what the local church is and does, and what a Christian is and does. So I think ecclesiology is a huge part. I think the other part is coming to appreciate the importance of institutions because there is an anti-institutional air in this generation, but institutions are absolutely necessary for propagating these kinds of big visions to the next generation. And so institutions will have to be appreciated for what they are able to do and how they're able to perpetuate and expand and propagate important truths and ideas. Don't you think... Wow, I mean, fire, right? This, these are those two points from Ling and Duncan. Uh, did we just dig those out of his trash? Because those those two things are are right on with those are with jabs. the things we've been saying, aren't they? Yeah, no, really good. Um, this is, I mean, this is why these are the top guys. You know, we can we can sit here and talk about you know uh, our issues with some of the things said, but. But they are, I mean, they're thoughtful men. We are appreciative of them. And I'm glad that he was thinking that way all the way back in 2014. He's right. I think he's right. Yeah, I think that um, the, the yeah, the church and thinking institutionally, I will say at least that second one just never caught on. That just never caught on. Now, someday someone's going to call uh, restless an institution, but that is that is to come one thing we should know all three of these people have institutional power that's right they they are they are in you know this is why we have big eva this is why we talk about that well and they have i mean important institutional power i mean you know albert moeller does have a good i mean he has he's a good influence especially in baptist circles you think about the work he does through the briefing and other things i mean he does have an important voice in those things Kevin DeYoung and Legan Duncan both have a very important role that they are playing even right now in the PCA. 
And, uh, you know, it seems for the good, you know, for the better. And, uh, you know, I've been grateful for a lot of the work that they've been trying to do. And so, uh, so, I mean, you do have, you do have that in, you know, in these men's own lives. It's important that uh, under this big umbrella of reformed or new Calvinism, that people will need to find individual homes within there, uh, whether it's the, the PCA or Sovereign Grace or Acts 29 or whatever it is, because, you know, under this, this umbrella of New Calvinism, there's all sorts of stuff that people disagree on and isn't decided, and people are going to have to find a home. I mean, this, this is the proverbial village green right. or the big tent, and people are going to have to find a home where they cozy up to the fire and they find people that have settled some of these other issues. And so it seems like one of the challenges is to get people into those homes, and yet people in those different houses still realize they're on the same street. I think that's such an important Well, now now I know why people listen to the Restless Podcast. We got to listen to these Presbyterian guys a little bit more, huh? Don't we? Kevin, that yeah, was he's great. He's killing it. Yeah, that was he's great. killing it here. We f- find a home. And, and I will once again promote that the reformed, the forms of unity, the confession, Westminster Confession, or the three forms of unity, we are the big tent. We are the big tent, baby. And, I, and again, I think it's an interesting thought to walk through maybe on another Restless episode to, to consider if can you if, if we consider ourselves the big tent in Reformed Christianity, can you say, can we make that bigger? And yeah. what, what, what effects does that have? But this is great advice. You need to find an actual home. Yep. You, need to, you can't just dig through the trash, guys. You can't just be a hobo, live in dumpsters. You got to find a home. Got to be a churchman gotta be a churchman this is again i know why we i know why we bring the presbyterians onto these panels because we we tried the james mcdonald driscoll one it didn't uh didn't quite go this way point we do not need another new evangelicalism we we do not need another minimalism we need people to go for the full wealth of conviction and that means they're gonna have to talk about theology and baptism and covenant and all kinds of things and that's good and uh, we, we need not to be uh, encouraging any movement that would say, we don't have to worry about all those things. We, we need to be the people who are ready with the courage and the conviction to take it all on. Man, am I wrong in saying that he just said the exact opposite of what he had earlier said? Yeah, I don't know. that. Maybe I'm just not a Baptist. and I Dr. thought his Mo- whole thing was that, you know, it's good that we are kind of, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, majoring on the majors, not on the minors. Uh, we can lay aside those convictions and all come together uh, for this movement. As long as we have these kind of core fundamental sovereign God, you know, gender complementarity, uh, things like this. And wasn't the new Calvinist and didn't even the first half of this video saying we are kind of the new, we are going to be the new evangelicalism. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really feels that way a little bit. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I didn't hear it right, but I basically, uh, it seems to me like it was saying, this is the better evangelicalism. This is how we dilute things to a certain point where we can all get along. And also let's not be the new evangelicalism. We don't want to dilute. We want everybody to have firm convictions in their different camps. And, and we're left. We, let's, we, let's just go back and not watch the last 45 seconds of that perplexing ending to that video and just end on we swear listen we were saying great things about this you know you can't say that we're only critical we even took some of the criticism from this video and thought oh man that that hit us 
Like that's yes. us right there. And then we just have to end it with yeah. more yeah, criticism. But, but you know what? We're going to let it roll off our back. Do you know why, Pastor Michael? Because next week, Restless Summer starts. That's right. It's Restless Summer, baby. Better get it's ready. It's an institution. The, the newest institution, Restless Summer. Thank you for joining us for our last Restless episode before the start of Restless Summer. It's coming up. So get excited. Get ready. Get all that you need to go outside and enjoy that sweet vitamin D because Restless Summer is at hand. <laughs>